This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm good. Uh, I feel like, you know, we are a running podcast, so I do feel like we got to get this out right away and give the obligatory happy birthday to Steve Prefontaine last week, his birthday. So, you know, we just got to get that right out of the way. Every, every running media source got to talk about it. So, boom, there you go. Happy birthday, Pre. And as always, at the House of Sal, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I, I could not be better right now. I have some exciting news I've been waiting to share with you guys uh, since I believe Saturday is when it happened. So uh, because of the collarbone, I've been a little delayed on installing this, but my bathroom now is a bidet. I am a bidet guy, <laughs> fellas. It has changed my world for the better. The whole world is just... It's just shining. The sun is shining on me and, and my behind, and it's nice and clean, and I feel great. Wait, hold on. I'm confused. Was this a result of the collarbone, or was this already in the works and it just coincidentally you know, ha- occurred at the time when you can't use your right shoulder? So this was a Christmas present because early in the pandemic when toilet paper was short, I was experimenting with makeshift bidets. That <laughs> That's were right. Just a water <laughs> bottle. Right. See how that went, oh, hopping in the shower. Uh, sorry, people, for going into this. But I can't, I can't not talk about We've it. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so people took note of my excitement for the bidet. Um, but I wasn't able to install it because I you know, had one arm. But then finally I got a little help. It is on now. It's made a world of a difference for people with broken collarbones. Let me tell that because the toilet paper is on the left side of my body and I got the left side is broken. So reaching over was all awkward. So, I mean, life is good, boys. Life is good. How soon after the the actual break of the collarbone did you realize, oh, this is going to be a problem? Oh, like day one. And to make it worse. So I've got to put, you know, a suit on when I'm going to work. Um, And this suit jacket. Is that what you call it? A suit? That's what I call it. That's the, it that's the thing you put on to go to work? That's exactly what I call it. I'm not yeah. sure I follow your, your, your shade you're throwing It's a very right mismatched now. suit, but it is, in fact, okay. a suit. It's, it's, a like suit. A cl- it's like a clown suit. The suit matches. The shirt doesn't match. The tie doesn't match. The suit matches, though. But you have, like, a suit jacket on. Normally, you take that off. You hang it up on the door or whatever. But with the collar, with the sling on, I wasn't able to move it. It was such a disaster. Um, but that problem's gone. That problem is no more. Just got to get home, use the bidet. Well, we had a lot of running news to talk about, but we're going to spend the next hour talking about, you know, really digging into the details about this bidet trend. So, uh, yeah, let's I, do it. I can't wait for you boys to come visit. And I just, you're going <laughs> to test it out. You're going to love it. It's going to change your world. You're going to get one for your own house. Oh, man. It's snowing out right now. Uh, I had some plans to squeeze in a quick run, but it took like, you know, a little bit of accumulation, be like, ah, we're going to skip it. I mean, I'm getting really, really soft boys. No, Steve. So you, you did the wrong thing here. Okay. Because what I did was I got out during the snowstorm and I'm not trying to say that to be like, I'm some tough guy and I ran in the snow, but here's the thing is it's slippery. It's slidey out there. 
So can you imagine what that does to your calf muscles, right? It beats you to hell because you're on a, you're on a damn ice skating rink. So I traded one day of running in the snow for like three days worth of excuses about my calves. Mm. You traded one day of excuses for one day of not running. I mean, a poor calculation on your part, Steven. I mean, I'm so fragile right now. If I got out there and I was slipping around and my calves were working a little too hard, that wouldn't give me three days of excuses. It might give me three <laughs> months of injury, it's like legitimate injury. So yeah, I, I might have made the best decision. Might have been a win-win if you did that. The beautiful part about running in the snow, and Michael, I'm pretty going to test to this, is you get to run at like 12-minute pace and yep. call it like a hard run, you know? Like you went as fast as you could out there, and you're really just like you're walking. You know, even if you have like spikes on your shoes, right? You get those micro spikes that are meant for running in the winter. Uh, you can just walk and then you call it a hard run. We talked about this. I'm a, a big conversion guy, right? If they want to throw their altitude conversion in my face, they want to throw their flat track conversion in my face, then I'm going to throw my Iran in the snow conversion in their face. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just, you don't want to, you don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this, but we got to quickly touch on the Irish Clover five miler. We got our link on the website. It's on our Instagram bio, but big, big developments there. We got some major news coming. We're not going to break the news just yet, but let's just say if you're planning on coming to Drake, Massachusetts, you're coming to run with us in person or at least stop by for a couple of beers after, you are in for a treat because some big developments happening there. I can't spoil it just yet, but it's going to be fun. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's not, I mean, the Irish Color 5-Miler on its own was going to be a blast, but I think we have quite – a weekend planned that anybody would enjoy. We'll just leave it at that. Professional tease right there. And if you can't be in there in person, we do have the DraftKings style pick and pool going on. So we're going to do, like we said, we're going to do that before we're going to have a virtual after party. So even if you're just participating virtually, it's still going to be a ton of fun. You don't want to miss it. The the virtual after parties have been some of the highlights of the events that we had, right? I mean, if you can't be there and, that stinks but the virtual after party we always have a good time if nothing less we'll, we'll end up just crushing way too many beers joking around talking running talking whatever it's gonna be a blast the virtual after parties like we've done two of them like one was a real after party the other one was just kind of like a virtual hangout that's been the highlight of this pandemic for me like those are two of the f- most fun nights i've had during the pandemic so so steve this is you know i actually don't know the answer to this. is the virtual after party happening after the actual after party. So the virtual after party is going to happen a couple of days after the race. Cause we do okay. need all the results to roll in. We're going to have to, you know, be able to have like the winner of the pick and pool. So we'll probably do it on that, like Monday or Tuesday or probably the Tuesday after the race, just so we can okay. pull everything together. We need a little time to, like I said, crunch the numbers a little bit, get the, get all the, the results. in. so we're going to give ourselves a couple of days there. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to be in no condition to host a virtual after party the day of the race. Cause I'm, well, going, to, I'm going to enjoy yeah. myself a few Miller lights. I'm going to have a good time. Right. That was my point. If we were doing the after party after the, you know, the after party after the party is the after party. It was going to be a mess. It's going to be, it would be an absolute disaster. So we, we can't we have, have that. Standards. We need to be full fledged, you know, in our, in our best, you know, condition going into this virtual after party. Yeah. So if you want to participate in the virtual race, if you want to participate in the, the pick and pool, all you need to do, like I said, go to the website, go to our Instagram bio, follow the link, 
and uh, sign up. Send me a screenshot DM either on on Instagram or Twitter, and uh, and, and we'll set it up. Um, yeah, and at the very least, you know, it, it's you know we we do this we do this free weekly podcast. We probably we have a ton of fun doing it. We put out a ton of free content. This is this is a small contribution to keep t- peak too early going. This is going to be the money we make off this race is going to kind of fuel us through the next few months. Cause it does cost a little bit of money to, to run this thing until we do the next race. So, you know, this is a, it's, it's your way of kind of giving back to, to something that you listen to every week. So we appreciate everybody that signs up at uh, the support has kept us going through coming on a hundred episodes, which is very exciting. Yeah. All right, Mike, let's kick off the running news. All right, gentlemen, so we have quite a bit to break down this week. And, I mean, man, we could start in all kinds of different places. But let's start with the American Track League. I mean, shameless plug, if you didn't get to peak2early.com and check out my blog, praising the American Track League, please do so because uh, I put a lot of effort into it and I need you to read it. But we will break it down here. And, I mean, guys, what an awesome meet. They ran, they jumped, they threw on 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, on ESPN, it just it just doesn't get any better than that. I the, When the guy threw the shot put and – when the girl jumped over the, the high jump pole, I mean, it was just really great. Yeah, it was, it was great. I didn't watch it, Mike. I still haven't gotten around to watching it. I mean, it was, it was smack dab in the middle of the NS, NFC championship game coverage. I mean, it, what, what are we doing here? Track and field, what the hell are we doing? I, we, we've talk, we talked about this American Track League a few episodes ago and how we were excited and we were excited that there was going to be track on ESPN. We were excited that there's an, a slightly different approach to the sport. And then you put it during NFL Sun NFL Sunday championship weekend. Like nobody's going to watch that. I do not want to watch it. Put it at, I, I would so much rather you put it at like six in the morning than put it at the same time as when my guy, Tom Brady is going to try and make the Super Bowl for you know the the hundredth time in his career this was just this was a wildly outrageous move to to put it at that time yeah you have to be like the biggest track junkie on planet earth to decide i'm gonna watch this meet that was at the exact same time as the nfc championship game you have an opportunity here and, and like i get it that we don't fully understand how you know, time slots work and all this and like rights to all that, whatever. Okay. I'm not trying to get into that, but you have a perfect opportunity. Imagine if this was at like 10 AM, imagine if they did it at 10 AM or 11 AM, Steve, when, when it's championship Sunday in football, it's like, I have ESPN on all day long just cause I cannot wait to get to the football. So if you put the track at 11 AM, that leads right into like Sunday NFL countdown or whatever their like pregame show is. That is the perfect opportunity for the random sports fan to happen upon some track and field. 
that would be perfect. Push this thing up two, three hours, and you have hit a goal mine. Instead, you put a, an event on ESPN that was subpar in general, because I went back and watched a little bit of it, and it wasn't great. And you still put that at 3 p.m. on a Sunday during a Brady Rogers matchup. What a gigantic miss. We had this thing t- like touted as it was uh, the fan festival. And it was we looked like idiots. Big... We looked like know, idiots. We, we were like pushing this thing. It's like, what are we, what are we doing here? What, like, what, who, who the hell did we bring to track and field with this event? Well, we were praising the marathon project because it was like the perfect pregame for Sunday football. They did in the yes. morning. It led it led perfectly into Sunday football. It was it was awesome. And the thing you hit the nail on the head. Like the only people you're getting to watch this race at that time slot are people that would watch it no matter what. Never mind kind of the fringe watchers, right? The fringe watchers like us that have to choose between you know watching NFL or track and field. We're going to go NFL every single time. But if you put it at a crazy time slot, like a time slot where this person who chose to, to skip Sunday football to watch this race is going to watch it no matter what, then you're going to get the fringe watchers like us. And then the most important thing is you're going to get somebody that you're going to get the people that just kind of stumble upon it. There's no sports fans in the world that are stumbling upon ESPN at that time slot and be like, oh, I'm going to stick around for some track. You put it at a crazy time, there's going to be people that know nothing about the sport, don't care about the sport. They're going to be like, hmm, I'm going to stick around and see what this has to offer. You're not getting it at that time slot. We got to give ourselves some credit, though, boys. Like, we talked about excitement for this with, like, the caveat that if it was executed well. Because I remember we were also like, is this actually real? Like, what's happening here? Because some of the, <laughs> the advertisements were so, like, you know, just – junior amateur quality i'm looking at the website right now the website's a joke it looks like i made it within like the peak too early website is better put together than this thing here like you had an opportunity to be on national tv next week next sunday one to three o'clock they're going to be on espn2 i mean there's nothing going on next sunday that's the perfect time for it that's going to be a great opportunity february 7th three to five before the super bowl a little bit of time and not great because on super bowl day believe it's before the big game and then they get a week after that like they have these opportunities to bring track to the national audience on the biggest stage you could possibly find. And it just is a waste. Like, do it right. If you have this opportunity, do it right. Put a little money into, like, making a real website, to putting a little money into your Instagram page, to the social media, to advertising it correctly, to actually fulfilling this idea that it's going to be the fan, like, favorite event that everyone's going to be having a big party at and having fun at. Um, don't don't just, like, ha- it just feels like they got this opportunity and they just half-assed it. And then, you know what that's going to mean? It's going to mean that the networks say, hey, track doesn't get eyeballs on the television. Yeah. And didn't they promote this as like a crazy party? On yeah. Track? And what, that, no that, that's what the whole, I thought they were promoting. Like, yeah. You know, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw clips and it didn't look like there was any party going on. There was nobody in the stands. It was like dead quiet. That's what I mean. Like you, every once in a while, I'd flip it over ESPN. It's like, them. It, it sounded like we were at like church or something. It was so quiet in there. And, this is a criticism that won't hit with everybody that won't not everybody will appreciate maybe, but it's just the truth. So Trent, you bring up a good point, right? The next three Sundays, they actually are putting it in pretty solid time slots. Like, right. Like the two hours leading up to the super bowl, it's like kill time going into the super bowl. I'll check out. Like I'll go into that. Like that's perfect. But there's 
the longest event is 400 meters. And as far as I'm concerned, like the most hardcore track fans are the distance fans. So I think, you, you know, you, you're doing it right. Like if you're going to bring people into the sport, you need the sprints, you need like the exciting events. But I do think they're completely missing a mark by not having like a mile or something. Well, if you go back track. to our episode, if you go back to our episode, uh, you know, when we talked about it a few episodes ago, we said like, you, you can't exclude the distance events. Like you, you need cannot. the distance crowd to make this work because yes, the exciting events are going to, you are going to bring people back. It's going to bring, it's going to bring new people to the sport, but the most avid fan base you have in the sport revolves around the distance fans and you can't or the distance events and you can't forget about that group anything else on on the atl gentlemen i don't know i just saw a lot of tweets about how it was like the most boring coverage yeah, they've ever not, seen in not, sports. not it, it it was they need to step up their game we've talked um, about too much so moving Oh, I have one on. more thing to say. Oh, Steve, yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't read the article, you should go check it out. It's on our website under under words. We posted it on Twitter, and I do think American Track League was following us on Twitter. And I think when they saw that we posted that article, they immediately unfollowed us. <laughs> Good. Good. That means that that means that they heard the message yeah. loud and clear. I don't care if they don't like us for it, but at least they heard the message. They also told us that they were gonna have they were gonna send us somebody to put on the podcast and they never did. So forget you, American Track League. Well, they, I think I think that bridge is burnt at this point. Well, <laughs> they burnt it first. They also they should be taking every opportunity to get on any platform to promote this thing. For right? sure. Like Absolutely. this is your big your big day to get on freaking I know we're maybe a minor platform at this point, but like we have a like a solid following. Just you should be you should be getting on anybody, right? Like you should be just preaching in the world about how you have this thing. And they just like I said, they they half assed the whole lead up to this. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Gentlemen, this weekend I was scrolling around on the IG, just kind of seeing what was going on, and I kind of saw something popping off here. And it seems like we have one of our favorite things in the world going on right now, we got a little bit of beef. And it appears to have been started by our guy, Chris Robertson, on his podcast. He had Craig Angles on and Eric Jenkins. And they started – there were some comments made that led to uh, Josh Thompson clapping back and then Eric, or, uh, Craig clapping back at them. And it looks like there was a little bit of playful beef going on between – Craig and Centro and Josh Thompson right now. What do we think? My favorite part about we've had Craig on a few times. Luckily, he's like not afraid of standing, right? He's like he's good. He's unfiltered, which is great. You never know when he's like serious, and you never know when he's like totally joking. <laughs> he lives in that in between world where you're like, oh, he's coming off with a smile on his face, but is there a trace of truth to it? So I think there was some fun going on, but you never can like. I don't know. At least I don't think I can like really pinpoint like what is serious and what is not in these types of things, which makes it fun. I just like, I was a little, cause I was, I was helping my parents move this week. So I was actually a little bit 
late to the news on this. And I think I woke up like Saturday morning and I really started diving into it. And I was like, I was like, Oh, Josh Thompson is, is pissed. And then, and then I was like, Oh, Craig Engels is clapping back. I was like, where'd this come from? And it turns out it comes from our boys over at the beer, you know, the beer mile podcast, our friend of the program, Chris Robertson stirred up the whole thing. So I immediately, I went for a run, put my headphones in. I listened to the episode, great episode, but I don't know. Like, he didn't really like Craig didn't really say anything that made me be like, Oh yeah, Josh Thompson should be really pissed at him, but it touched it. It must've touched a nerve with him. I don't know. So see that that's the craziest thing, right? It's cause like we're, we're always trying to like slightly jab at people, like see if we can get them to say something kind of off color or get them to say something that might rally people up. And we've never really gotten much, but you just never know what is going to pop off and make headlines because it was the most subtle thing in the world. I listened to the podcast and it was just like, I, I never in a million years would have expected that that would create, like would break the running internet because he didn't say anything bad at all. So I do think it, I know, I know that these guys are probably texting each other behind scenes, laughing about it. I do know it's playful but anybody who's like dismissing it and just being like, oh, is is nothing. And it's like, dude, get the poopy out of your pants. Like, what do we, come on. Like, this is fun. Yeah, I know it's like these guys are probably friends. And I know that this is probably all in good fun. But it's something, right? And it, it, it broke the internet for three days. It was something that we could talk about for, you know, the, the week. And we're talking about it here now. It's all in good fun. And then next time these guys line up on, on a start line together, it'll be, it'll be a storyline. It'll be something for us to follow and something to have fun with. So whether or not it's legit, and of course I want my beefs to, to be legit, either way, this is still fun and I'm excited about it. So I don't know. I, anybody who like is complaining about a fun topic, like that's like the worst people in the world. Even, even if it is like, just good spirited and they're texting about like you said mike you are inviting attention to yourselves right and absolutely like battles between yourselves so they may be having fun with it initially but it does add something to the next time they're on the track together because now we have a lot more eyes that are on it and a lot more eyes on the specific head-to-head matchup that might not have been there before so i mean that's one of the reasons why i think we welcome it whether it is some Oh, basically true animosity is wonderful content and stuff to cover, but even fun animosity. I mean, that is inviting a little bit of, you know, a magnifying glass on you. And then you really like, I, I got to imagine they're going to feel a little bit of pressure to, to back it up when they, when they do line up against each other. I mean, pretty much every single host, every single guest we have on the podcast, we try to stir up a little beef. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Chris Robertson he, you know, unlocked the key, you know, unlocked that, uh, you know, the, the beef and how to get it out there. So you just got to get your guests drunk. So we got to start trying to just get our guests hammered and then the beef will start spilling out. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and do initiate it because we're like hammered on every episode. Yeah. The problem is the guests are like the sober ones. So it makes it, yeah. makes it difficult. Sending like a bottle of whiskey to our guests before, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, like pre prefacing it and like you know pre-injecting the stuff into them like give them a gift and say hey this is for the the show on sunday or something yeah i like it all right so moving on when i was watching football this weekend 
not watching the ATL. Patrick Mahomes, NFL superstar, you know, the the best player in the league, had a debilitating injury, which I kind of say that jokingly, but turf toe, allegedly, I've never had turf toe, but allegedly turf toe is like super, super painful. Trent, you, you're raising your hand over there. You sound like, like, like you got something to say about turf toe. What is turf toe? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. It's but essentially, I know... I'm pretty sure it's like a sprained toe, like a sprained big toe, which makes it like very, very difficult to move. It, it's supposed to be like wildly painful. But that's not the point, right? So on the broadcast, they made this huge deal about how the cleats that Patrick Mahomes would be playing in was these carbon-plated cleats. Hmm, interesting. And then Patrick goes off, and like he always does, lights the world on fire, has an unbelievable game, is going back to the Super Bowl. Gentlemen, must I ask this question? I think so. Is Patrick Mahomes a cheater for putting carbon plates in his shoes? <laughs> yes. 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 Ban he, him. He Ban these cleats. Is. Ban these carbon plates. But I think I think the Mike, the the thing that that really like I when I saw that, I just had the laugh because it's like, yeah, of course, because that's what you do in sports in 2021. There's a technology that falls within the rules and you use it and it helps you. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes had like, it is very painful to run, play football, you know, do all the stuff that he does with turf toe. He was able to have cleats that have that allow him to play where, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, like it would have, he, he wouldn't have been able to move the way he could have, if he didn't have like some type of technology in his shoes. That's the way that sports work. Okay, so everybody in the running world, stop bitching and moaning about runners having carbon plates in their shoes. Like, yes, it it, it might give them a slight advantage out there, but it makes the sport more fun to watch. It allows them to perform at a higher level. That's what happens across all sports. Okay, stop trying to keep running in the Stone Age. All the uh, all the shoe companies did it wrong when they introduced the the carbon plates and the the fancy new footwear. They should have marketed it as like injury prevention shoes, right? It, it helps you prevent the turf toe, the, the sprained toes, rather than saying it this much faster. If they had done that, then we'd all be supporting it. There's nobody giving Patrick Mahomes crap for wearing those fancy new shoes. So I think that was the problem. I think as a sport, we need to advertise this as uh, injury prevention, and nobody would have cared. Well, and then the other thing, Trent, is like Nike. I mean, Nike's an innovator when it comes to footwear across all sports and you tend to see you tend to see like technologies like it comes out in one sport and then it'll bleed to all their shoes in all sports you know you'll see something come out in basketball shoes that eventually go to 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 their football cleats which eventually go to running or something there's an innovation in running that kind of goes to the other sports and it just got me start thinking like what if this technology came in another sport first like it, it was in basketball shoes or it was in football cleats first and then you know it was a big story it was like a revolutionary technology for the sport and then it came to running do you think that do you think like there would have been less outrage about it you know what i mean where when it started with running and there was all this outrage and then it's that now you're starting to see it bleed to other sports De- definitely not right i mean if people would have been more accept about it, accepting mm-hmm. of it in running I, if it happened in another sport first i i, I don't know steve the 
the the sport of distance running will never change. They could have introduced it in every sport in the world, and these people still would have been bitching about it. So I don't know. But a, a few, I get what you're saying, and and I think it would have made it like a more acceptable issue. But I still think you know the purists would have would have gone off on this. But I, so a couple points on that too. It's like it was just so funny to see like the running world kind of get like all up in our it kind of like reinvigorated the the carbon plate argument for no reason right just because like you know patrick mahomes is wearing it's like oh this gives us a chance to like talk about our super shoes and 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 carbon plates um and in general where i agree with you guys completely that i think this is like proof that this is just something it's part of sports like innovation and technology is part of sports i will say if patrick mahomes beats tom brady in the super bowl i will be the most anti super shoe person in the entire world i'll be calling bullshit patrick mahomes will be a cheater anybody who's ever even thought about putting a carbon plate in their shoe is the biggest cheater in the world and that's the only way that you can beat tom brady in the super bowl so that's my stance on it we'll see i'll see you after february 7th you know whether or not i'm a super shoe guy or not you nailed it, Mike. That's the only thing yep. that's going to get that's me to it. switch that's to it. the other side of the argument. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're powering through these gentlemen. We got a couple more. Um, I think we can go through this one quickly here, but I think it was worth talking about it. There was like a scare where it was like kind of announced that the Olympics was off and that like went crazy on social media. And then like five minutes later, there was a uh, post from the Olympic committee being like, no, like that's not true. It's back on. So we, we lost the Olympics for like five minutes. So that was crazy. No, we lost it for like for a couple hours. Cause I went, was to it bed. a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. I went to bed thinking that the Olympics weren't happening. Like, okay. cause the, the, the New York times tweeted it. Right. And I was like, if the New York times is saying this, that I feel like that's a pretty reliable source. And I was just like, I went to bed, like I went to bed depressed. I was like, man, I can't believe this is happening. I, I was like, I feel so bad. I, like, I almost put out a tweet being like, I feel so, like, I feel like we've made friends throughout the past two years. I feel so bad for our friends that aren't going to have this opportunity. I got to wait enough. And I'm, I'm so happy I didn't end up, I didn't end up saying, sending that out. But I went to bed depressed only to wake up to find that it was a false report. Yes. So we, we did get teased a little bit there, but that doesn't mean like, we're we're safe and sound at this point. We had a scare and we're kind of still on edge here. But there was a report this week that Florida has announced that and, and I think they kind of said this in the last like the the last run. Um but if if Japan decides not to host the Olympics, they have put out into the universe that they would be open to hosting the Olympics. So I don't think that, that means anything but hey I, I mean at least we have that to fall back on if we're getting desperate <laughs> i well, love it I, I i will say like i feel very i feel more confident now than i did before all this craziness because it felt like they came out pretty vehemently being like no this is a false report we're having the olympics yeah. it made me feel pretty good about this summer after like all the shenanigans that went on you might feel good steve and i do feel like it obviously better than i did a few days ago but I'm going to avoid it all. I don't want to hear any like reports. I don't want to hear like the, the anonymous sources reporting this as person Olympic committee. I don't want to deal with the roller coaster of it all. I know Florida is a good backup plan. So if things fall apart, we have Florida, but for the most part, 
I, I want to do the ignorant bliss. I want to just like assume that it's happening. I want to approach the podcast like it's happening. And then, and then it's going to happen. Or maybe we get some terrible news and we go to Florida, but then it'll happen in Florida. But yeah, I just want to avoid that roller coaster. Let's just assume like it's going to happen. That sounds a lot better. Sure. And, I kind of hope it goes to Florida because if it goes to Florida, guess what, boys? I'm going to the Olympics if it's going to Florida. That's yeah. right. Well, so I, I agree with you, Trent. I think we need to approach this podcast in, the, in a way that the Olympics is happening. And yeah, I think it does need to put a little bit of confidence in you when the, like, the Olympic Committee is coming out like strongly saying, no, 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 that is, is false. It means that at the very least, they have not ruled out having the Olympics, which is a good sign. However, this whole Florida, I mean, it, it's great. And I'm glad like we can talk about it. Maybe it's a potential backup plan. I just don't think that that's how that works. I don't think you can just be like, oh, no, we'll do it. We'll, we'll take the Olympics. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's how those things work. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, hey, who knows? I almost it's Florida. Anything can happen. Late on that night, Mike, I almost proposed Lowell, Massachusetts as a potential yeah. host of the Olympics. So, yeah, I mean, they, I think I mean. People, are just, people are just throwing out locations right now. Well, yeah, we'll do, we'll do it in whatever. Yeah, we'll have it on the Lowell High School track and, you know, we'll host it. <laughs> Peak too early, we'll host the Olympics. Who knows? I don't know. But whatever. It, that, that was a, a fun roller coaster of events for the Olympics. And uh, so our last story here, again, this was – we had a ton of stories going – um, there's been a full major marathon schedule released, and it looks like <laughs> all six major marathons are going to be within 42 days of each other. So let me just read this off really quickly here. We got the Berlin Marathon on September 26th. We got the London Marathon on October 3rd. We got the Chicago Marathon on October 10th. A day later, later on October 11th, we have the Boston Marathon. And then we have the Tokyo Marathon on October 17th. Finally, the New York Marathon on November 7th. That is going to be a wild, wild fall. I don't know how you can keep up with all this. That's going to be like... <laughs> event like we're gonna have to have a party every week basically that's gonna be <laughs> every party. week every day yeah crazy. it's crazy um serious take on this though what we need what i'm what i'm nervous about is that we're gonna have like a diluted professional you know field at each of these what i would hope happens is that we get like one marathon it should be boston of course you know but if it's not boston then we pick another one but it should be boston where the pros all come together and it becomes like the elite you know, race of it. I want to be able to go and see one of these marathons as like the, the race of the fall where we get to see like all the big names um, out there battling it. That would be, that's, that's my only fear. Cause it's going to be a fun couple months. We're watching those marathons. My fear is that, you know, we, we don't get the head to head matchups that we want to see. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be a fun couple weeks. Like, we're going to have a lot going on. There's going to be a lot coming at us, a lot to watch, a lot to gamble on. Um, it's going to be fun. The only thing I'm pissed about is it really screwed up our plans because I had big plans for Boston Marathon. We had big plans. We have, you know, we're working on big plans for Chicago Marathon. Now they're one day apart. It's really screwing with our plans. So we got some thinking to do. We got some planning to do. Yeah, we got to figure some stuff out. See, I get what you're saying, Steve, but I'm going to pull a 180 on here because I think it presents incredible 
opportunity, right? Because there are so many sports that, like, I'm a casual fan of. But when you, you know, push them all together into one, right? Like, so off the top of my head, college basketball. Casual college basketball fan. But March Madness is electric. I'm a casual golf fan. But the Masters is electric. One weekend, we have two marathon majors, and we can just go back-to-back with Chicago and Boston. I think I think it's going to be incredibly fun. I think it's going to be a nonstop weekend. I think the content, the, the energy, I, I, just, I think it's going to be a weekend for the ages as far as distance running goes. I think if there's anybody – who can pull that weekend together and make it like the most exciting weekend of the year. It's us. So I can, as soon as I saw that schedule come out, I like my eyes lit up. I was like, that weekend is going to be mark your calendars, October 10th and 11th. That's going to be the best weekend of the year. Yeah. yeah except, I, for Trent, I, except for Trent, except for Trent. Cause he's running the marathon. Fucking marathon. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. What an, Good what luck. an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> the problem is going to have like, the after parties of each other marathon leading up to it. They had to participate with you idiots. So we're going to be watching <laughs> these things, having them sure we'll do listening, listener parties on zoom and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm going to have like a big race come up the next day. So thanks in advance for, for tanking me in my race. Do you think, do you think there's any idiot out there who's doing the Chicago and Boston marathon, right? Like it's like, Oh yeah. Is, is going to run Chicago, get on a plane, fly to Boston and run Boston. There's definitely the idiots out there. that yeah, are doing that. Probably. All right, gentlemen, that was a lot to cover. I think we crushed it per usual. That is all I got for the news. All right, so let's get into our interview with the Sasquatch. All day, Tyler Day. He's the fastest collegiate American 5K runner. He's He runs for Northern Arizona Elite. He's a guy we've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. He's one of the rising stars in the sport. This guy is the real deal. We had a ton of fun talking to him. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me again? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Sorry, the Wi-Fi gets a little screwy up here, up in the mountains. So, <laughs> no, I apologize. It's like a, it's like a Sprint commercial from the early two thousands. <laughs> I'm more, I'm, I'm more of a singular type of guy. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> cricket, cricket mobile. Yeah, totally, cricket mobile. Yeah, the, the are we? Can you hear me now? Good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Perfect. <laughs> my, uh, my co-hosts like to, to make fun of me. I'm on Mint Mobile. Ryan Reynolds, if you've seen the ads, he's the spokesperson, owner of it. So shout out Mint Mobile to those listening. Wait, are you actually on Mint, Bo- Mint Mobile? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done with big wireless, man. I'm totally done with big wireless. I need Mint Mobile. One of the benefits is I'm in the mountains like, like you are, Tyler. I'm not going to get signals, so I don't have to respond to my co-host. I don't have to do any podcast stuff when I'm on vacation because I just don't get it. It's great. That's actually genius, right? Just get a really terrible provider, and then you have an excuse for missing calls and text messages being like, yeah, my, my provider sucks. I pay. Yeah, see, I, I got that Verizon, so I'm like anywhere, anytime, so I don't have an excuse. Like if I accidentally missed a call, like my parents are like, we know you screwed up. Like yeah, we know yeah. it's your fault. Tyler, you give, you give me like a wants to get off the grid every now and again kind of vibe. So that, that's the bad news for you. <laughs> hey, man, I, sometimes you want to be known. Sometimes you don't want to be known. So it depends how you look at it. So. Yeah. 
So how's everything going? Where are you at right now? Um, getting over an Achilles strain. Hopefully I'm running soon, but I'm progressing fairly well. And boom. How, how's everything going with NAZ so far? Oh, it's a dream. It's awesome. I, I love the teammates. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love the coaching staff. I think it's interesting where a lot of times where you go into a job, you're kind of clueless into it. But since living in Flagstaff and being around the NAZ elite team, uh, I kind of see how they work and how and every and and how they roll and run into them a little bit. It also helps I had an ex teammate Matt Baxter join them and kind of give me the juicy gossip stuff about them too. So, um, yeah, it's been a pretty smooth transition, but really enjoying my time with the team. Yeah, Tyler, you uh, you grew up in Arizona. You went to high school in Arizona. You went to college at Northern Arizona University, and now you're running for the Northern Arizona elite team. I guess a lot of people are wondering, have you ever been outside the state of Arizona? Um, yeah, have I? No, I have. Um, I have. <laughs> and and running, running a race outside, like if you're still representing Northern Arizona, I don't think that actually counts. Okay, so talking about not representing my college or high school, um, I have family back in the Midwest in Iowa. Okay. <laughs> so Iowa was a very frequent place. Like some families for vacation – they go to you know florida or like you know outside the country my family we went to iowa that was like a family vacation um cedar rapids for all you people out there so go go cedar rapids um but yeah no it's uh so it's mainly cedar rapids and then yeah no it's uh when i made my first world team for the pan am team for peru um i've never left the country before uh and I, I would say the only time i've ever left the country was when my family and i drove our rv to mexico but if you're from arizona that's like a typical trip you know you just go down south for a few hours um so yeah i remember i, I got my yeah passport people were like oh how many places have you visited and i was like i literally got this because i think i might meet the pan-american team if not i might visit canada sometime who knows so um, I rarely leave the state lines, uh, but when I do, it's either for running or visiting family in Iowa. It's specifically those two, like literally exclusively those two things. I mean, if you're a professional runner, there's no reason to leave Northern Arizona, particularly. I can see getting out of Southern Arizona. I don't know why you'd want to run down there. That sounds terrible. But you're, I mean, you're in the, like, the mecca of it all. Uh, what's that like to be just in you know, the place where people from all around the country are coming to train at? Yeah, I'm super spoiled. Uh, I, it's, it's just weird. It's, it was kind of a weird thing that I had to get used to in college where you'll be walking down and there's just like Mo Farah telling, just screaming track because you're in his lane, you know, or there's like a time where, you know, you see like, you know, some of the, the, the Bowerman babes and bros just out yonder doing their, their stuff. So it's kind of interesting to see all these elite athletes want to come into our mountain town, but uh, it's, it's awesome. Uh, you get to build relationships with people you never thought you'd build relationships with. And, um, and I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's swag staff, dude. Like if you haven't been here, you have to be here. Like sure. Everyone wants to go to Colorado and yeah. And I'm pretty sure Colorado is beautiful, but that's not called Flagstaff. I mean, is your town literally named after a pole that they put a flag on? I don't think so. So. I love, I love swag staff. I'm definitely going to steal that. We got to go, we got to go to Flagstaff one of these, one of these years. You have to, what are you guys missing? It's, it's literally the bee's knees. Uh, yeah. Like once co- I mean, obviously don't fly now because hashtag COVID, but in a normal realm, get out there and, and enjoy yourself in the Northern desert, Norzona, as they would say, just kidding. I only say that. <laughs> but hold on. It, I mean, I'm at a point in my life where I wouldn't be going out there to train. Definitely not. Is there, is there stuff to do other than run out there? 
hundred percent. We have the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you heard of it. That, yeah, uh, that's pretty you know, big tourist some, some, some people call it a hole in the ground. Some people call it the most majestic thing ever. A U.S. president has actually traversed it. Does, does anyone else in the world have anything like that? Don't think so. And <laughs> then two, not. we have like a crater that's like on your way to New Mexico. Uh, it's literally just called like, I, I think it's just called like the Great Crater, or like Crater Rock or something. But yeah, does, do places have craters? Again, I don't think so. And also, we have Northern Arizona University, the best university in the world. Some people call it the Harvard of the West. You know, <laughs> whatever. I mean, that's just the podcast equivalent of getting dunked on. You just dunked on me. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't have hops, so hopefully my words do the talking. Yeah. So, I, hey, ha- has, it, has it clicked for you yet? I mean, you go – I mean, we talk – you know, with new pros, we talk about this a lot where it's like you spend most of your life doing this sport, this crazy sport. It's a three-season sport. you got to do it year-round. It's a grind to do it. And then one day you, you kind of leave school and you get paid to do it. Has it clicked that you're getting paid to do this, this sport that you've been doing your entire life? Um, I would say barely. I would say the only time it's really clicked was when I actually was able to afford proper Christmas presents this year for my family and friends. Uh, a lot of them ask for shoes and I was saying, I still need to get my shoes. Um, jokes, jokes. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely weird, you know, to have, you know, it's, it's a dream that I've always had since a little kid. I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. It was first to become a professional baseball player. And as you can tell, uh, my arm strength seemed to fail me. Um, and, uh, and I, I mean, I, I wasn't really like the genetic freak, you know, I didn't, I wasn't very tall. I wasn't very muscular. I'm very fragile, you know? So, uh, I mean, I, I pretty much failed into running cause I sucked at every other sport known to humankind. And, uh, and now it's, you know, just to work hard at it and fast forward and be able to get paid for it. It's, it's weird. I'm still trying to cope with it and still get used to it, but I'm very blessed to be in this position, especially nowadays where it's very difficult to, just to find a job uh, just in general and to have such a weirdly niche job and have that opportunity open for me. I'm very grateful to have it, but yeah, still, still trying to get used to it. I still get weird eyebrow looks telling people I'm a professional athlete. And then when I tell them I'm a runner, like, Oh yeah, it, it makes sense. You know, I don't, I don't think they thought I was going to be like a middle linebacker or anything. So. Who is, who's your baseball team growing up? Was it the Diamondbacks? the Diamondbacks baby? Okay. Yeah. 2001 world series champs. Luis Let's Gonzalez. Go. Heck yeah, Craig Council, That's Tony right. Lomack. There's more than just Luis Gonzalez, baby. We had Kurt Schilling and we That's had right. Randy Johnson. Come on, bro. Yankee hey, killers. Red Sox fans, we love were rooting it. for the Diamondbacks just yeah. as hard as you were in that series. <laughs> so that that World Series, you know, because, I mean, obviously Boston sports has gone on an incredible run over the past 20 years. But to that yeah. point in my life, when the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees, that was the biggest moment of my sports life. <laughs> Because I hated the Yankees so much and the Red Sox sucked so bad that I was the biggest Diamondbacks fan in the world that year. Yeah, well, because, I mean, during that time, didn't you all have the Bambino curse still, right? It was only alleviated in 2004. Okay, but here's my thing. Here's my thing. Patriots were, like, somewhat okay, right? Like, like, was that, that, like, when Tom Brady was starting to become, like, the GOAT? Um, So so that, that year he went on to win the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl after that World Series. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you had the – I mean, obviously, beforehand, you had the Celtics win 11 championships under Russell. But, um, but I mean, like, didn't, like, Boston, like, a few years later in 2009, did they win one too? So, I mean, yeah, I'm glad that we kick-started the Boston run, but it's kind of <laughs> nice to have some luck for the Arizona sports again. It's, it's been a it's tough being an Arizona fan, let me tell you. So, I could, I could sit here and talk baseball and Boston sports all day, but 
we'll move back on to running because that's what people okay here so i do want to talk to you a little bit about your time at nau right and i think i think the the secret sauce for college teams is to just have tyler day run for your team right because you right race in your first ncaa championship in 2016 you win in 2016 you win in 17 you win in 18 you go three for three just a championship magnet. We're talking about Tom Brady. You're like the Tom Brady of NCAA cross country. And then I want to go that far, but okay. <laughs> 2019, uh, that was your red shirt year, right? So you don't run at NCAAs and the boys get beat by BYU. So I want to know, have you given your guys back at NAU a hard time yet for the fact that they can't do it without you? Oh, first off, uh, I appreciate you ego stroking me. It feels really good. Uh, yeah, take that as it may. But That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for me, it was more than just what the heck I did. You know, that, that team was built with a bunch of other grinders on the team. You know, uh, we had Matt Baxter, which when he joined the team, we only knew him as a dude that set a record in New Zealand. Like, even our New Zealand runner team didn't really know him either, Jordy Beamish. Uh, yeah, I mean, we even had Corey Glines, a grinder from Ohio that was a transfer from Michigan. We had, uh, yeah, it was just so many people on that team that were just grinders that I think it just happened to help. I would like to say I, I helped a little bit, but, it was, again, there's no I in team. I was very happy to be able and fortunate enough to be on those travel teams. Uh, as with me giving the team crap, uh, yeah, I remember one of my teammates was just saying, like, yeah, when we – and I would stop and I was like, hold on, what is this we stuff? Because I wasn't there. Like, it's just <laughs> you guys. Like, you guys did that. Um, but the thing is, I can't really give them too much crap because, I mean, right now they're just absolutely ripping it on the track. So I think my right. days of trash talking the boys are literally done. Now that I'm trying to get over an injury and they're still running, I think they have the last lap. So sure. I, I need to get my old secret sauce back. I need to get that Thousand Island sauce that In-N-Out does for us West Coasters out here. <laughs> yeah, no, and I appreciate it. I mean, you got to give the boys a hard time, right? You got to do that. But at the end of the day, the, the greatest thing about that, those NAU teams, that dynasty that you guys created was it wasn't it, it never felt like a group of individuals, right? That was the ultimate team. You guys were deep as hell. And you just from like one to like 14 would show up to meets and just roll people. And, you know, you as great as you were, you know, never took an individual victory. And I think that's one of the coolest things, right? Is like you're taking these team championships and you don't need a number one, right? You got you way up there. You got the other guys way up there, but you guys are doing it, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten deep, which is that's how you got to win cross country. That's how you create that dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wanted an individual title if I wanted to be bashful for a second. I mean, that indoor season when I ran 13-16 and I went uh, 7, like, I think 7.45, like I, I was jonesing. I was jonesing to try to get something. Um, and uh, I mean, literally the only individual title I've ever had to my name was I won state in the two-mile in high school at 9.35 or at 9.28. And I was still getting crap on the team that had the slowest two-mile PR because of that. And I was like <laughs> – I was state champion, D1, baby. Um, but, I mean, I, I definitely wanted individual title, too. Uh, it, it's just, you know, I, I think when the times matter most for me individually, I would freak out. But when it was a team thing, I was always calm. I could – I know that the dudes would rely on me, and I know that I would give it my all. And uh, for me, my mindset going into his meets was, I want my okay day to be, like, someone else's, like, greatest day of their life. Like, I want to know, like, if I'm off the wagon – I want to know that like, I'm not bleeding points. I mean, the same thing for like Matt Baxter. I'm pretty sure if you ever talked to him, 
he would say, you know, one of his worst showings, you know, might be that third place side where he got 15th in the nation. But just imagine that your worst day ever is 15th in the nation. Like that's, I kind of wanted that mentality. Like I wanted that point where if I'm extremely off, I'm still some dude's like, like perfect day. Um, but I mean, it, I think the reason why I was so good is just the people around me, the coaching staff, the medical staff and the, the boys and even the women's team, like they were, you know, they helped me, let me be myself. And even if it was a high pressure situation, it never really made it feel like high pressure. If it was pressure, it was probably something I put on myself, you know, for being a perfectionist. But yeah, no, again, crazy run. I never thought I would ever be in anything like that in my life. And I was very fortunate to be there at the right time. Yeah. And, and you'll get a, you'll get a massive break on the no individual titles because you had two taken away or two <laughs> opportunities taken away from you where you were primed and ready to roll. So the no individual titles that has an asterisk. It doesn't, you know, it, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of cut you some slack on that. I, I should just get like the best participant award. Yeah. Much. <laughs> yeah. Won, At least you tried. Yeah. But no title, but let's, let's talk about the 5K from January. You grab the American Collegiate record. You break Galen Rupp's record, right? So what was that like to take, you know, a Titan like that down? Is that something that was on your radar ahead of time? Or was that something that you, like, surprised yourself when you crossed the line? Hell no, that was not on my radar. Um, I, so leading up to indoor season, to me, it was very disappointing. So after we won that three-peat, I kind of just kind of went like, all like showtime and be like, Oh, I'm a little bit tired. Like I was going to take a break. And that break kind of turned to a hangover on that winter season. When it came to indoor season, I was just feeling flat. I really wasn't motivated. I really wasn't putting my heart in the training and it, I got exposed at indoor for in Alabama. You know, I got 13th uh, in, in a 5k race for indoor at nationals. And, and, and you know, what a great way to represent your school. Right. And then, yeah, I worked my way back. I ran like a, uh, 1325 at Stanford and I thought I was like all oh, big shot and then you know I, I didn't even qualify out of West Regionals in the 5k and I only got sixth in the 10k and outdoors and uh, yeah and back and forth with everything so when it came up to indoor season I was just an animal I worked my ass off like I wasn't able to race with the boys during that cross-country season and I wanted to and then they lost to BYU and that fueled me even more and then on that winter season, I was just literally like, my mom had to tell me to calm down. She's like, maybe you need to sleep more, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you don't understand, mom. This isn't a phase kind of like situation. Um, but no, I was putting in work. And when it came to that indoor season and I was in that race in Boston, I was ready just to let everything go. Like I had so much like pent up something, but I don't know what time I wanted to get. The only instructions we got from Coach Smith was, I need you all to run an NCAA qualifying time. That's going to be at least somewhere around the 1340s. Like you have to do that at least. And we're in the race with a bunch of Nike dudes. So we're like, okay, if I am getting close to the Nike guys, if I absolutely blow up gracefully, I know that the, the clip that they're clicking at, I'm going to be well under 1340s or around 1340s. Like I'm going to hit the NCAA standard. And yeah, I just kept within the race, finished, looked up at the time. And I was like, that's a little bit better than 1340s. And uh, yeah, I, I ran the time. I was like, holy crap, that's a PR. And then my second thought was, wow, I was only three seconds off the Olympic A standard. Wow, you couldn't run any faster, you idiot. And then people around me were just like, dude, you like broke some record. And I was still just like three seconds. Like you can even do three seconds, Tyler, like such an idiot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I never thought I was ever going to be hitting that time. I thought I was going to run something pretty quick. I mean, quicker than my PR really early in the season, but not, not that quick and not at that um, level, I should say, like that level of importance. Um, yeah, when I heard I got the American record and, you know, 
I surpassed Galen Rupp and the two dudes in front of me just happened to be U of A graduates. It was kind of funny. A friend pointed out that the three fastest 5K times in indoors came from dudes that went to uh, public Arizona colleges. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Love, love the BU indoor track. That's my favorite track in the world. I, so it was my first time in the Northeast. I've never been to Massachusetts before. Again, I never leave Arizona. I think we all pointed that out. And so I got on that track and I was like, holy crap. And then all these people were telling me that it was wicked awesome. And I was trying to get like, I felt like I was in like Goodwill talking, like it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, that track is awesome. And yeah, I, I never thought that there was like an act, like being from here on the West, we don't have a lot of indoor meets. Like the only indoor we have is the dome, but no one from Arizona wants to race in the dome. If it's going to be like 90 degrees in October in Arizona, you know? And so, yeah, it's just like indoor track was such a different beast of so being in that environment where people actually give a crap about indoor track. It was like super awesome and totally wicked, I would say, in everyone's lingo. <laughs> wicked awesome, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it, there's something about indoor where you get the, you get the tiny oval and you get the stands like on top of the stadium. It creates this atmosphere in that, in that, you know, that small stadium that you don't get anywhere else in the sport. It's, I mean, indoor was always my favorite season for that reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's nuts. We're so used to our indoor meets where it's pretty abysmal. Like no one really wants to show up and no one really wants to run a 7,000 feet either. And then you get to Boston, it's like packed. And it was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then everyone was just sitting on the track while you're running. I was like, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Very cool. So speaking of the track here, but I kind of take you to uh, some of your more recent races. So you, you just finished, uh, third what was it the michigan pro half marathon you dropped a 62 so i guess <clears throat> i'm always curious about like especially recently it seems to be more of a trend of kids coming out of college and kind of going right into the longer distances where you've had such success on the track you know you're you're super fast 5k and everything like that are you starting i mean not to put yourself in a box but are you starting to trend towards you know, the half marathon marathon and you know, you're with the NAZ elite guys who, you know, that's a generally, you know, the marathon long distance crew. Is that this early in your career where you're kind of like targeting or do you still have more to do on the track? Yeah, I, I know for a fact, I even talked to coach Ben about this and everyone else that, uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot more to prove on the track. I believe I remember when I was getting recruited by pro coaches one of them was really putting me in the box of being a marathoner. They're like, yeah, like the only reason why if you're with me, uh, you can't, <laughs> the only reason you're going to be doing the track is because they already have a marathon team, but by the next Olympics, you're going to be a marathoner and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I get it. I'm a very aerobically strong uh, individual. Uh, I, I can go for a long time and everything, but I know that my professional career will end on a marathon course somewhere, somewhere out there, maybe in Arizona, how this is trending, but yeah, no, it's uh, I know I'm probably gonna be a marathoner, but I feel I have a lot more to prove on the track now, and so I definitely want to stick to the track as long as I can. And I feel because I feel like once I fully commit myself to the marathon and my shoes touch the pavement, there's no way I'm going back to the mondo. Um, and so I want to give it to my all that's on the track because I feel I have a little something uh there, uh, something to prove to people that yeah, even though I don't have the sexiest kick in the world. I know that I could definitely compete on the track. So I saw, I think I have more to prove. Jack's more fun too. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's such, it's <laughs> I such mean, a, it's, I mean, half marathons are awesome. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the whole atmosphere of a, of a big city marathon is awesome too, but that's such a, like Mike was saying, it, it's a very like modern way of approaching the sport. And, you know, we, we just had Frank Lara on, we had CJ Albertson and their mindset is like, listen, I can race on the track. I can race on the roads. Like, you know, I, you know, the way I'm training is I can kind of prepare to, to race everything in between. And whereas it used to be is you, you're, you're strictly on the track. You reti- like you said, you retire on the roads, but the modern way of looking at the sport is like, you can kind of be flexible between that 5k, 10k, all the way up to longer distances if you want. Yeah, no. And I definitely want to do cross country stuff too. Like, I feel like if there's going to be a U.S. cross thing, I feel like as a professional, my next U.S. team would probably be a cross team. Because uh, for me, I, I adapt well in environments, except for humidity. I can't seem to get that down. Uh, but I mean, when I was in Wisconsin, I, I've never raced in snow before. And I think I did pretty well in the snow. I've ran in extreme heat for all my life. Uh, I'm pretty good in cold weather and everything. So I, I, I mean, for me, I want to be a top runner that doesn't want to be pigeonholed either. Like, if there's going to be a half marathon opportunity. I would love to take that during track training. If there's going to be a, a mile race I want to do to work on my speed, I definitely want to do some mile stuff. And then, yeah, I, if there's going to be a cross-country opportunity, I would love to do a cross-country race sometime as a pro. I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't want to be pigeonholed. And I know that there's not, it's not like a college where there's like – or a high school where like here's a cross season, here's an indoor season, here's a track, you know, outdoor season. It's like cross is like, hey, if you're fit and you're, you're willing to, you know, go through some slime and muck or anything for USATF, like go do that, I wouldn't mind. I love cross-country. It's what brought me into the sport, and I think it's something that – uh, plays into my strengths uh, but yeah I, I love to just kind of be like hey I need to work on my speed I want to hop into a mile uh, oh I want to try to do my bread and butter let me do the 5k 10k uh, maybe even 3k oh there's a half marathon opportunity during fall time where you know outdoor season is already passed and done I'm down to do a half marathon or a road 5k uh, so yeah I, I would love to be kind of be fluid within my races as well I don't want to be a niche athlete I feel I'm too young enough to pick a niche so far I feel like if I am older, I could be like a little bit more picky, but now I definitely want to test what I can do on the pro circuit if I can. Iron the boys up right now. We love it. We <laughs> love cross language. We love the versatility. That's what we're all about. I'm, I'm trying to give you that Braveheart reference. Let me let me paint my face real quick and wear the <laughs> wear my heritage on my kilt real quick. Yeah, we, we can pause if you want to do that. I think that'd be worth it for a grand. So I don't um, know. Knowing knowing how my Wi-Fi is going, it might pause on its own. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> Uh, I do, I do want to throw one more, uh, like ego stoke at you. So, um, you've been my guy since day one of the pod. And just to tell a little backstory here, I think it, it must've been what, 2019, I guess, cross country nationals. Yeah. We were, yeah. we were betting, we started a betting pool where we were taking a bunch of guys <laughs> that were running. And this is, this is like the very first month of the podcast and we're all ex college runners, but we hadn't been following the sport. And so the game was going to bring us back in, but I'm trying to pick my team here. <laughs> And I have no idea who just about anybody is. I'm still like just figuring this whole cross country fan them out. And I see Tyler Day on the air, Northern Arizona. And I'm just like, I did no prep work. So I'm like all day, Tyler Day. It just flowed so well. It was my nickname for you. Now, every time you're in a pool, one of your people that, that we're coming up with, you're my guy all day, Tyler Day. So I just want to establish that and, and make sure you know that I'm the president of the Tyler Day fan club. <laughs> dude, man, I do, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of nicknames through my years, but never all day Tyler Day. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's much love. Yeah, I, I really hope that one day my last name would, would bring someone hope. So, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that, homie. 
You I'm not even sure money. it means, but it, it <laughs> yeah, sounds I'm, good. I'm shocked you've never gotten the all day. I, again, I, I don't well, know what it means either, but it does, it does flow nicely. And it's, it, he would take you first, like every single draft, just because you're my guy, man. I think you, you took him first. I think you boy. took him first in the, in the, uh, the marathon Olympic trials. Did yeah, you call him? I think he, yeah. And we're like, Trent, he's not running. It's like, doesn't I matter. don't care. Put his name down. Yeah. My boy, oh my God. He just wanted to make sure that we weren't going to swipe you. I mean, he just he needed to have all day Tyler Day. So I've, I've been uh, fanboying out over here. This is great. I'm trying to control sure, I, myself. I, I need that, like, tattooed on my chest. Like, no ADTD. situation. ADTD. Yeah, no, I've had a lot of nicknames, man. Some of them I can't say on the pod. But, man, that's a really good one right there, homie. That's Oh, you can, yeah, that's you can say them for sure. This is oh, a – the R-rated podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of them was uh, given to me from the great uh, Diego Estrada. It was my freshman year at NAU, and he's like, "Yo, T Day." I usually go by T Day a lot, and he's like, "Yo, yeah. like, like, what, what, what nicknames do you got?" Now I'm, I'm a square. Like I'm a square. I don't. The most crazy thing I've done ever in college was I think I probably jaywalked. Like you know, like if there was like a you know a little get together, I was the DD. I was like the caretaker. You know, like I, like. I'm literally as square as you can get. Like the dude you probably made fun of high school, I was probably the dude getting into the trash can. You know, like that was homie. <laughs> that's me. And so one of the names like, dude, we're gonna call you STD. And I was like, why do you have to call me STD? Again, I do not look like a lady killer. You can look back at pictures of me as a freshman. It did not look like a lady killer at all. Um, and he's like, yo, it's for Super Tyler Day. But the point is, is that you can't tell them that Super Tyler Day. You have to say STD and see if they can guess. And so yeah, one indoor meet. I'm running a race and my parents were drove up to watch me race and yeah people are chanting std and my mom was like why are they calling you std i was like oh mom it's okay and she's like why are they calling you std and i was like mom you really think i'm that type of person i was like it's for super tyler day and she's like oh and i was like mom i'm, I'm a nerd i'm not that cool i like I, I wear short shorts right now and my profession i still wear short shorts so yeah that's that's that yeah that's, that's one of them but yeah oh, that's no, amazing STD. what a story love that <laughs> So, hey, I got to ask you about you, you. You were coached by, in my opinion, one of the most interesting people in the sport in Mike Smith. So, Mike Smith, oh, it's boy. like, it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by him. He's like, he's like one of the brightest minds in the sport. But every time he gets on an interview, it's like, it's like, dude, stop talking like a philosopher. Like, what are you doing right now? So, what was it like <laughs> to be coached by Mike Smith? Exactly what you said. Like, like sometimes he says something that's like so profound. And I was just saying like, I just asked what your day was. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. my first impression of Coach Smith, right? So I had Coach Hines, who was just kind of like a typical college coach, right? He wore the, you know, the Adidas NAU polo, wore khaki shorts. You know, he's been around the sport for a long time. You know, kind of like the quirky little, you know, nerdy coach. Knew his stuff, you know, had really great NAU success. I mean, he literally was our coach when we won our first national title. And in comes this dude, opposite side of us, he's wearing Smith's sunglasses. His hair is perfectly cut. He's clean shaven. He's wearing Patagucci stuff. He's wearing some of the cleanest kicks I've ever seen anyone wear. And he's kind of posted up, right? And, and this is Coach Heinz introducing us to his successor, Coach Smith, dude. And Coach talked, and I've never heard a voice that deep come from a dude of, like, that size. I was like, whoa, hold up. It was, like, silky smooth. It sounded like he could be, like, a smooth jazz channel. You know, like, 95.5 KYOT. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm like, this dude's going to coach us. And I'll be like, okay, I, I want to see how this, how this dude is. And I remember my first car rides with him, I had to do a workout because I, uh, I was injured at the time with the hip thing. And we were in Indiana State. So we did a workout before the race. And he had uh, Chill Bill 
on on like the on the radio he's like he's like you like chill bill and i was like oh i don't really listen to like that kind of stuff. I was like dude you should and cranked it up and i was like my first impression of this dude is he wears padded gucci stuff he wears adidas he listens to like rap i'm like what is he and then yeah and then you know we go through the season uh we win our first national title and then officially he has the reins to the nau program and he brought me in his office and i was like hey coach you want to talk to me he goes like hey t-day uh you seem like a great runner. Like, like what, what do you think your future is with the team? I tell him, well, I, I think I'm just a 10K guy. You know, I work on, you know, stuff like that. I think I have some quickness, but I don't know. He's like, I'm going to make you a weapon of mass destruction. And I was like, um, okay. I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I want you to go into a mile knowing you could win that mile. I want you to go into a 3K knowing you could compete in that 3K. Now, little naive me, I was like, okay, dude, you're probably off your rocker. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, my mile time, dude. It's pretty crap. You know, like, I was like, I'm a 420 guy in high school. Like, you know, I mean, you know. And so, yeah, no, he's he's very – he's an interesting character. But once you get to know him, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's 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 kind of like a – you have to be pay attention to what he's saying. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense now, but you look back at it and you're like, man, that dude is, like, wise beyond his years. Like, I, I hope that when I'm a super cool Patagucci-wearing homie, uh, I wish I could have that. I wish I could have that mindset. I think it's also from the Massachusetts area too. So it must be something with Boston, I'm pretty sure. That's right. I mean, you get a guy that, I mean, obviously he's had tremendous success in the sport. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a great mind. But, you know, you, you hear that story and you hear him bringing a young athlete into his office saying, I want to make you a weapon of mass destruction <laughs> on the track. I mean, that's the type of confidence that gets instilled in runners that allows them to go win three cross country national championships. I mean, that's, I love that story. That's amazing. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely a dude where it's kind of like fine wine, you know, like from the start, you're like, Oh man, like this kind of tastes weird. But then the more you taste, you're like, wow, this actually tastes pretty good. Like it's just, you, you just need something like kind of grow on you. Like for when I first met him, he was almost too much. He was almost too mythical for me. He seemed like untouchable. Like I didn't think he was real half the time. I was like, is he, is he in my head? I don't know if he's alive. Like, seems to be the cool cat he seems like the cat's meow but yeah no he's definitely a dude that i even still talk to frequently and uh he's yeah he's he's kind of reminds me of like phil jackson whenever i watched the last dance where phil jackson was like the coach where it was like by the book we're doing drills he was a dude that you know he has like indian artifacts he has like a like a skull of a bull like in the background and he's like you know all about like the energy and the chakras like that's like coach mike like 100 percent like you made me put a crystal in my hand when I was telling him about my day. Like that's coach Mike Smith right there. Oh man. Well, let me tell you, that is the perfect transition. We have <laughs> in every interview with a quick game. Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right. Down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. We know that you're a big Sasquatch guy. So oh, yeah, we'd figure, I don't even know if Sasquatch is technically like a mythological creature, but your topic is mythological creatures. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. Well, that's okay. actually a perfect transition to the first question. Is Sasquatch a mythical creature or is he, or is he real? I think, I think, I think he's real. Um, Cause I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, you got to believe in yourself. I mean, for Sasquatch, you totally got to believe in yourself. You know, if you think people don't believe in yourself, how are you able to exist? Sometimes you got to believe in yourself. So I think Comey is chilling up in the Pacific Northwest, just living life like to the fullest. Have you ever gone searching for, for uh, Sasquatch? Uh, I haven't fully put on like my camping gear, wiped mud under my eyes and be like, you know, let's go squatching. But I have been in some of the woods when it's only been me and I've heard some crazy ass sounds. So I wouldn't say I have physically gone out to go Sasquatching, but on my runs, I, I try to look for something crazy, you know, see if you might pop out and say what up. 
So I feel like Sasquatch guys and Loch Ness monster guys kind of go hand in hand. So are you also a, a Nessie, a Nessie guy? Dude, I, I feel like if I was, I feel like Sasquatch is so like North American and Nessie is so like, what is that? Like England or Great British area. I think so, yeah. so I mean, if, if I would say if I ever flew out to New England or not New England, if I flew out to England and like, you know, talk about the locals about some weird fin looking shark looking thing that looks like a pokemon then i'll be like yeah dude I'll, I'll i'll give it to you but i'm not much of a nessie fan i'm more of just like the squatch guy yeah doesn't sound like you're going out to england anytime soon too yeah stick in arizona um is, is sasquatch yeti and bigfoot is that the same or is there a difference between those i think they're the same you know like you have sasquatch that lives up here you have the yeti that lives up in the arctic um yeah I, he has like brothers you know i think some of the huge ass rats in new york could be probably descended of it who knows uh <laughs> but yeah i definitely think they're all intertwined you know i think it just depends it's kind of like it's kind of like foxes right you have a red fox but you also have arctic foxes you know like they're still the same animal different coat fur you know that's that's just my i thought long and hard about this somebody <laughs> that's who's, a good put point. Some thought into this <laughs> So, I mean, we've talked a lot of, you know, a lot of mythical creatures. We talked, you know, Loch Ness Monster. We talked Sasquatch. We talked Coach Smith. If I told you 20 years ago that Tom Brady was going to be on his way to a seventh Super Bowl <laughs> at age 43, is that more believable or the fact that Sasquatch is real more believable? To be honest, knowing Tom Brady, I'd never see that dude ever get injured. So I would say it would be more believable that Tom Brady would be on to a seventh. I would say it would be more unbelievable that he's with Tampa Bay. I would expect him to be on the yeah. seventh with the New England Patriots. I don't want to rub salt in the wound. I'm sorry. But I would say it's more mythical that he's with a different team than he is with the Patriots. But to answer your question, um, I believe Sasquatch is more mythical than Tom Brady going after a seventh. Just because Tom Brady, you know, he's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this isn't his first rodeo, <laughs> uh, but with a new team. So. Okay. All right. So this, this is a, a running podcast. So I'll ask you a racing question here. Perfect. Uh, what mythical creature would win in a race? A centaur or a unicorn? Ooh. Okay. So I would say centaur, right? Because a unicorn, it has four hooves, but the four hooves have to be on the ground. So if he tries to like knock off like the centaur or this or or this or the centaur esque, I don't know what the female version of centaur is, but <laughs> it has like the little horn, right? But the centaur has not only the like is the centaur the one with like is it two hooves or is it like four hooves? I think he's got four hooves, but I think he's got, got four. Okay, okay, okay. So it's the four hooves. Yeah, not only does he have the four hooves, but he has an upper body. Like he could totally deck the unicorn to like right. the next <laughs> So I'm going with centaur. Love the analysis there. <laughs> um, breakdown. Okay, if you weren't if you weren't like you know a natural Sasquatch, what clan of mythical creatures would would take you in? Oof. Um. Jeez. What mythical? I'm not. I mean, I live in Arizona, so there's no water, so I'm not a Nessie boy. Um. I would be probably be something. Mermaids, dragons. Oh, for sure, I'd be a leprechaun. Except I'd be like the NBA <laughs> version of a leprechaun. I mean, I already, I already, I had the facial hair. It's gone now, but it's mm. making a comeback for March. Um. But I do have the ancestry. I am Irish. My grandparents chased that back way yonder back then. Um. So yeah, I am for sure part of the leprechaun clan. Except I'm not as lucky, and I'm too tall. So I would say I'd be like, I would be like the redheaded stepchild of a leprechaun. You know, it's just like, hey, Barbara went out of the family gene pool and started to date a real person. And next thing you know, we have a five foot 10, five foot 11 leprechaun, six foot on Tinder for some people, but yeah. <laughs> You're like Will like, Ferrell and Elf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in the shower, just trying to like fan the water on me. Yeah. 
Mike, hit him with the last question. All right, so I'm assuming you've seen Zoolander. Uh, with, yeah, the first one. The All first right, good. One, yeah. So if an ad company, any you know, whatever company offered you a, a, a healthy amount of money to do an ad where you had to be a merman, would you do it? Yeah, dude, especially if it's like head and shoulders, dude. I'm, I'm down to wear a fin for head and shoulders. Uh, I mean, also, we've all seen Jason Momona in Aquaman, right? We all assume that Aquaman is like right. not really the coolest superhero, right? Dude that talks to fish, all right? I'm pretty sure I know a bunch of people that are high off the rocker that could talk to trees, you know? With that being said, he made Aquaman look damn awesome to be an Aquaman. So I feel like, you know, maybe I could, you know, bring some damn awesomeness to like mermaids, mermaids, <laughs> you know, whatever floats your boat. Merman. Love it. <laughs> Tyler, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. We're looking forward to uh, watching your race in this coming year. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sorry for the network problem. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I had so much fun. No problem. talking to Tyler Day. He's a guy that I, you know, I, I always say this, I don't know if we're just getting better at this or if we're just getting better guess on, like we instantly clicked with him. He's a guy that I definitely want to have back on in the future, but um, had a lot of fun chatting with him. He's been trans guy since day one, all day Tyler Day since day one. I feel like I clicked with him. He liked my nickname. He liked my <laughs> track names out there. So all day Tyler Day, you're my guy now and forever. All right. It's been uh it's been a, we're, we're, Coming on a longer end of the podcast, so let's just kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? So, this would usually be the part of the podcast where I talk about Tom Brady, and I'm not going to do that this time around because I do have to say, with a heavy heart, got to give a shout out to my guy, loyal two crew member, Brian from Buffalo, brother. What an unbelievable run you guys had. We were we were pulling for the Bills. And I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. My heart is broken for you. But the good news is the Bills have a bright future. You guys got a lot of football left. A lot of football left in Josh Allen. So your Super Bowl table that you were creating, ready to go, put it aside. Put it in the, the, the corner of your garage. And one of these days, you're going to be jumping through that thing. It's going to be all right, my man. Trent, what do you got for people in the Bell app? Mike, you know that's the last thing he wants to hear right now. You got a future with Josh Allen. He's a young primetime quarterback. That I'm sorry, Brian. Don't don't listen to that. Um, because Mike didn't do it. I my mine was gonna be Tom Brady. I was just gonna talk about how amazingly like shocked I am, how invested I was on Sunday, and how this Super Bowl. I feel like you say this every time he's been in the Super Bowl the last like five six years but this is like the most important Super Bowl to define his legacy I don't even mean it but it feels that way it's not it's if he can beat Mahomes though right everyone is so excited about Mahomes if he can beat Mahomes as a 43 year old his first year on Tampa Bay with no Belichick it's already cemented I'm not even saying it needs cementing but it would just go through the roof to another level we don't have to discuss that right now but I, I just I found myself getting very excited about Tom Brady I found myself getting very excited about my new gambling method I got a new system Mike's been you know, talking about his system that he has to Steve and I, that's a, you know, a, a, not a, a system. It's not a system. It is a system. The system works. 
I got a new system. It's the second time I figured out gambling and, and the second time that I'll, I'll make all the money in the world until I don't. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for football. Well, I, I figured out gambling until Conor McGregor lost that fight, in uh, which case I definitely did not figure out gambling because he was like a minus three, 300 uh, uh, favorite. So really bad news this weekend. But, I mean, I'm going to talk about Tom Brady. I read a stat today where Tom Brady is the winningest NFC quarterback or the has the most wins over NFC teams um, out of any quarterback all time. Guess what? He's played nine. He's played 19 years in the AFC. So what does that mean? It means that he has, he has all these wins in Super Bowls and this one playoff run. How ridiculous of a stat is that? That's it's yeah. insane. I, I heard that too. And like, I had to like double check it. Like there's no way that that can be right. He can't be like, have the most playoff wins against NFC teams. That doesn't make any sense. The crazier ones to me is like he has just as many NFC championship wins as Breeze or Rodgers. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's one of these things like down the road, you, there's going to be a documentary or something, you know, like a, a Michael Jordan S documentary where like all these stats get thrown. It's just like these can't be true. Like, these, these are made up stats. It's ridiculous. If you break Tom Brady's career up into like three. Maybe you can even argue four different parts. There's three to four separate Hall of Fame careers in his full. I, we, I could keep going. I, I had all these stats. That's the one that I wanted to say on the podcast today because it's that ridiculous. Anyways, boys, I would have run faster, but I peed too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on the vacation Get it well, Todd. Kansas City minus three before they announced that Mahomes is playing. Get it well, Todd. I mean, isn't it, isn't it assumed he's playing? Isn't that he's still technically under concussion protocol? He hasn't been announced that he, but he's obviously playing. But the second he gets announced that he's playing, I think that's going to jump up to like five or six. Mike. I'm on the Bills, baby. I don't know if I exp- expressed this last weekend, but I'm on the Bills. All right, he's here. Well, it's hot. I'm <laughs>